0: You know, you might think to yourself that you're watching him sing that song, lift up your head, keep your eyes on the eastern sky, a blind man singing that song. But you know what? He has spiritual eyes. See, you can look for the Lord even without your physical eyes. And I don't know about you this morning, but, you know, you watch the news, you watch this world, and guess what? You get depressed real quick. But for the Christian, the child of God, there's hope. There's always hope because we have Jesus. And I'm looking forward to that day. The Lord comes back. I'll tell you this, I could care less who wins March Madness. I'm just looking forward to the Lord coming back. Maybe, maybe he'll choose to come back this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday that we're going to have coming up on April the 19th. That would be a wonderful day. The Lord would come back, but uh, take your Bibles. I'm going to let you remain seated this morning. But if you turn to the New Testament book of Second Timothy, Second Timothy, and I'm going to ask a, a favor of you this morning: if you are here and you have a Bible and you see somebody sitting next to you that doesn't have a Bible, share your Bible. All right, let them see the verses this morning. There's many verses in the outline. Now, if you look at the screen this morning, our theme, if you're visiting, is stand. Of course, uh, we're taking this theme. Every year we have a theme that we use. It's kind of our launching pad for the whole year. And uh, so our theme is really born out of the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, chapter 6, and verse number 16. And Jeremiah said this, and this is just the beginning of the verse. It says, Thus saith the Lord... Stand ye in the ways, and that's what we're trying to do. We're endeavoring as Christians in 2022, even though the world around us is changing, we're trying to stand in the ways of God, and we realize that's not popular, but yet it's the right thing to do. And then it, notice it says and see. So the word there, see, S E E, means to look upon or to be reminded of some things. And so it brings us to. Our city. We're going to begin with a verse, verse out of chapter number four, and then also out of chapter number one. So it sounds like they're working on, on my uh, sound a little bit, but just don't pay attention to it. If it goes out, I'll just speak louder, all right? But here we go. As as you're thinking about this this morning, I want to uh, just use a little illustration to kind of uh, kind of drive this point this morning. Uh, I don't know if uh, if you have ever done this, but a lot of times... Uh, when it comes to certain people, I, I like to think about, and I've read many times accounts of people's lives as maybe they know their time is short, and they want to say something before their life expires—the last words of somebody. Anybody remember the name Todd Beamer? Might sound a little familiar to some of you, but as I share this testimony it'll probably come back to you. Todd Beamer was set to board and did board United Flight 93. Todd Beamer was on that plane that was hijacked by terrorists that many believe was headed to Washington, D.C., to the nation's capital, that really was going to be a projectile. Of course, they had already, many on the plane had already heard through uh, their devices, what had already taken place in New York City in the tw- Twin Towers, and, and it was just a devastating thing. And here you have a plane full of people that were unsure about their future. Todd Beamer was sitting there in his seat, and he noticed that there were air in the headrest in the seat in front of him. So he grabbed the phone without the terrorist not- noticing what he was doing, and he just dialed zero. Someone on the other end of the phone picked up the line there and began this conversation with Todd Beamer. And Todd simply was telling this person, and eventually the whole world would come to know, because of this phone call, exactly what was happening on United Flight 93. Todd was a Christian man. He was an account manager. He was the father of two boys and his wife was pregnant with a girl. Todd Beamer was traveling to San Francisco for a business meeting when the terrorist seized control of his flight. Todd After his conversation, while it was still on live, he began to talk to some of the other passengers around him, and the discussion was, we need to do something about this. And so Todd began to think about what could we do, and just before he and several other passengers rushed the terrorists They overheard his last words in those final minutes before the plane went down in a rural area in Pennsylvania. It was relayed to his wife later. But Todd Beamer's last words were, let's roll. I thought to myself, what exactly did Todd Beamer mean by let's roll? And what he meant was, let's start doing something let's not just sit here let's make something happen todd beamer really lived his life that way is let's do something now when i study the bible i find of course many people but this morning the apostle paul was much like todd beamer of to, uh, the apostle paul when God saved him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter number 9. Paul lived every moment of every day to its fullest. His life's theme, although he didn't know Todd Beamer, was let's roll. Let's do something for God. Now, Todd Beamer, like Paul, had some last words. Paul's last words we find, we could call it his last will and testament, was in in your notes there or in your Bible, Second Timothy chapter four and verse seven? Notice what he writes: I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Now that was Paul's testimony. Paul says, "Look, I have done what God's given me to do. I have made the most out of what God has given me in my life." And so here he is in the final moments of his life, and we find him sharing this. Now, who's he sharing it with? He's sharing it with a young man by the name of Timothy. Now, isn't it interesting that although we're not Timothy, God not only recorded it, but God has preserved it to us today. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. In other words, God wants us to be reminded of something today, too, because Paul knew, my time is short. None of us are going to live forever, but Paul thought Timothy and others are going to be the ones to pick up the mantle and to carry on the work of God, and so Paul is reminding him of something. He's encouraging Timothy, just like we are being encouraged this year, to take his stand the way Paul took his stand in his day. Now, notice with me in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, I want you to look at the words. Wherefore, he says to Timothy, I put thee in remembrance. He's saying, Timothy, I want you to remember something. I want you to be reminded of something. Notice, what is it? That thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, this wasn't something that Paul gave to Timothy. This was God's work in Paul's life. This was God's work in Timothy's life. And can I say to you this morning, this is God's work in your life. And he says, look, I'm encouraging you, Timothy, that I want you to stir up the gift of God that is in you. Now, notice the rest of the verse there, verse 7. He says, for God hath not given us, notice he uses the plural there, he's including himself. He says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. Boy, so many people, and can I take it a step further? So many Christians live day by day in fear. People are afraid to go out of their house. People afraid to speak up for the Lord. People afraid that anybody would find out that they're a Christian. We live our lives in fear, but yet Paul says to Timothy, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Can I get an amen? Amen. So many people. We live in fear day in and day out. Shaking in our boots. Now, I look, I, I get it. I, I'm not saying certain things are not real. But understand this morning, Paul says, Timothy, look, you're going to face them things. There's going to be challenges in your life, but you don't have to live your life in fear. Well, how do we live it then? Well, notice God, and, and God is such a good God. He's such a heavenly Father, such a wonderful God. You know, I'm sure Marley would say that about Mario, right? I hope she does. But here's the thing is, God has given us so many things. But notice this morning three things that God, through Paul, said to Timothy, that God's saying to you this morning. He says, look, I haven't given you. One thing I have not given you is the spirit of fear. But here's what I have given you. Look at the verse. He says, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And he says, Timothy, look, I want you to remember what God shared with me, what God showed me, that God has given me and God has given you his gifts, and he wants you to use those gifts that he gives you for him. So this morning, let's remember God's gifts. Let's remember, as Paul was reminding Timothy, that every Christian, every child of God has been given by God himself the enablement, the power that is needed to live the Christian life. Did you hear me this morning? Everything you need to live a Christian life, God has given that to you. And and notice what Peter says here in 1 Peter 4.10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. All of us that have been saved, that are born again, as the Bible says, when we get saved, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Now, the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit gifts us. He gives us divine enablements to be able to live the Christian life. And so here Paul is telling Timothy, look, Timothy, I want you to stir up the gift that God has given you or the gifts that God has given you. Now, what does this word to stir up really mean? Well, if you can picture a campfire. When I was a kid, that was our biggie and I loved camping, I still enjoy going camping and I know some of you, you like air conditioning and a comfy bed and all that type of stuff. But I love camping. And one of my favorite times was sitting around the fire. And when I was, when I was younger, listen, I didn't like no little fire. I mean, I, liked, I like a big fire. Throw another log, throw another log, throw another log. But sometimes when we would go camping, my dad would always keep a stick by his chair around the campfire, and as the fire started to go down a little bit, my dad would just reach over, grab that stick, and he would start poking it. And as he did, as he stirred the fire, the flames started to come up higher. Isn't it easy when we live our lives and things happen and fear grips us that our lives are not burning for the Lord the way that they should? The flame seems to die down a little bit. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, look, I know you're going to face some things after I'm gone. But he says, I I want to remind you, Timothy, I want you to stir up the gift of God that is in you. And as we look at this this morning, I hope this is a help to you because God doesn't want, here's the challenge this morning, don't just be a Christian, be a red hot Christian. Be excited about the things of God because Paul's telling Timothy and God's telling you this morning everything you need God has given to you by his spirit God wants us to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and I get it look it's not easy sometimes to be a Christian it definitely is a challenge and sometimes it's easier to be quiet because of maybe some fear that we might have sometimes it's easy to not take a stand that maybe we should take a stand. But can I remind you of what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8 in your notes? God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. sounds to me like God has called us and God has equipped us with everything we need so that we can stand, that we can serve Him. Look, all of us need to be reminded of some things this morning, and that's why Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Look, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He has given us, notice first of all, the spirit of power. Now, I love this word here. It's the word dunamis. And when it talks about dunamis power, it's talking about miraculous power. Have you seen God working in your life? Listen to me. Maybe this has happened, and I hope it has, where something happens in your life or through your life, and you know, and the people around you, because they know you, they, they can't explain what it was that happened only other than it was God that did it in your life. How many of you have had something like that happen? You know what that is? That's the miraculous dunamis power of God we're not talking here about the spirit of power is our own strength we're talking about it's the power of God and as we look at this this morning God says look I've given you the spirit of power God wants us to experience his power in our lives notice the conversation here in John 3 as we see that this power is from the Holy Spirit that resides in us Paul Paul was writing here to Timothy, but we find Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus in John 3, and Nicodemus was a man like so many today that knows the Bible, that has a Bible, but doesn't know God. That's the way I was 37 years ago. Watch this, I knew all about God, but I didn't know Him in my heart. Nicodemus knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. He was a Pharisee, and he was trying to figure this out because he had come into the presence of Jesus, who was God in the flesh, and Jesus is having this conversation. Notice verse 6 of chapter 3 in your notes. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but then he says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, Nicodemus is trying to figure this out. What is he describing? He's talking about being born of the Spirit, being born again, being born from above. Later on, he says, he says when Jesus said, ye must be born again, Nicodemus thought to himself, can a man be, be born again? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And I guarantee you, there's not a mother in here this morning that would say, listen, I'll rebirth my child, no thank you, all right? But Nicodemus thought, how is this possible? Listen, it's possible through the power of God. You see, the power here is the Holy Spirit's power that energizes us to live the Christian life. And there are some that we meet in life, and I hope you know many people like this, that when you talk to them, when you're around them, it's evident that they have the Spirit in them. They're saved. They're Christians. But you know, sometimes you get around people, and guess what? They don't have the Spirit. They're not a child of God. Look what the Bible says in Romans 8, and verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. See, either you're saved or you're not. Either you're born again or you're not. Either you're in the flesh or you're in the Spirit. That's what the Word of God says. And when we get saved, according to the Bible, we receive the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus as our Savior. And then the Holy Spirit is the one that imparts power to us, to those of us that are yielded to Him. Notice that as He does this, Jesus said, notice in Luke 20, 24, He said, I send the promise Of my Father upon you. Well, what was that promise? Well, they had to wait for it there in the city of Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. Now, that's describing in Luke 24 what we call the day of Pentecost. If you fast forward in your Bible to the book of Acts, notice in your notes verse number one, verse number eight of, uh, of chapter number one, where we see these Christians there assembled on the day of Pentecost, and they were gifted with the power of God. It says, but ye shall receive power. When? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So here's what happens. The Holy Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth. He gave his life so that all that believe in him can have eternal life. And the Bible says at the end of the Gospel records and the beginning of the book of Acts, That Jesus, God in the flesh, he rose from the dead and he ascended 40 days later and went to be with God in heaven. He is there today, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for us. But you remember, if you know anything about the Word of God, here's what you remember is, Jesus said, even though he was going away to prepare a place, he says, and lo, I am with you always. Now, he's God. God can be in all places at all times. But Jesus promised his presence in our lives. Well, how is that possible? Because he says when he goes away, he's going to send another one just like him. So as the Son of God went up, the Holy Spirit of God came down. And the Bible says here on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came upon them And they were able to be witnesses of God in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part. God gives us His Spirit to empower us, to energize us. The problem is, is that some Christians, their spiritual batteries are running low. And what you need today is you need to ask God for a fresh anointing, for His power in your life. Paul would say this, listen, it was by the grace of God and it was by the power of God that I was able to preach the messages and do the things that I did while I was here in this life. I see a wonderful example, a true story about the power of God on somebody's life many years ago. As a matter of fact, it was back in October, October 16th of 1555. That was many years ago. Under the reign of Queen Elizabeth, or excuse me Queen Mary, there were two men that were believers in Christ. One, his name was Latimer, the other one's name was Ridley. These were two men that they they were believers, they had faith in Christ, and they were asked by the church to recant their faith, to deny Christ. And Latimer and Ridley, did not give in, like many would, they did not give in to the spirit of fear. They said, we believe, and no matter what you do to us, we will not recant our faith in Christ. And so the time came where, because they would not, they were led to a stake. They were led to a pile of wood that had been prepared. They were led to this stake and they were chained to this stake and the fire was lit you say what a loss I remember the testimony the first time I read it many years ago as the flames began to burn up around them Latimer said so Ridley could hear him Latimer said these words Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. And we shall this day light a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. Now what candle did they light? They gave their lives. They gave their bodies. They made the ultimate sacrifice not out of fear. But out of faith. Well, how could you do this with the power of God on your life? You see, the Bible is clear. Without God's power, we can do nothing. You see, God's power is from the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you this morning, Christian, that God's power is for every burden, every burden that you face. We all face challenges. You might be sitting here this morning or listening by way of live stream, and I guarantee you there is someone here or somebody listening that has some sort of challenge or burden in their life, and what we need today and every day in our lives is the power of God so that we can stand for Christ. It's not easy, but we need God's power, especially when persecution comes, and by the way, can I say it will if it hasn't? Notice what the Bible says about The power of God for every burden in Colossians 1, verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. The Bible even tells us in the book of Romans, notice in chapter 8, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Look, there are times when we're so tired or we're being persecuted, where just like it says there in Romans 8, we don't even know how to pray or what to pray, but it's during those times that the Holy Spirit comes along and strengthens us and helps us. See, Paul told Timothy, look, Timothy, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but He has given you the spirit of His power. See, he didn't stop there. He says, that's only one gift. Notice he's also given us the spirit of love. Now, again, I love doing word studies, and when you think about the word love, here we are, we're in America, and I realize in the auditorium this morning, we have different nationalities present, but the reality is, if we were going to talk about love, we would use the word love. But see, in the Bible, there are many different kinds of words that are used. See, in our society, if I was going to use love in different ways, I might do it this way. My wife's sitting right over here, the beautiful one sitting on the front row there, and I would say uh, to her, I would say, I love my wife. And certainly, I meant that. I hope she believes that I meant that. But I might say it this way, I love my wife. Or I could say, I love my wife. Now do you understand the difference? There was a difference. All of them were heartfelt. I mean that. But the reality is is that I just used expression to make the difference. But in the Bible, there are three words in the language God used to give us what we call the New Testament of our Bible, this Greek language. And so two of those words you can find in the Bible, one of them you can't. The one that you can't actually is a, a fleshly it 's kind of an erotic type love that was prevalent in their society Now we find parts of that in the Bible. The word is not used, but you see that type of love played out in certain portions and it deals with a sinful lifestyle Now, the two kinds of love that you do find in the bible one you 've probably heard the word before is a brotherly kind of love it 's called phileo. it 's where we get the word for Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a friend kind of love. It's where you have love for another person as a friend. But that's not the word that's used here. You see, the word that he uses in 2 Timothy chapter 1, when he says the spirit of love, is the word agape. Now, agape is the kind of love that God has for us. It's an unconditional love. Watch this. Are we masters of this? We love somebody as long as they love us. We love somebody as long as they do for us. Hey, listen, God loves us. Matter of fact, he loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. That's how much he loves us. And by the way, no matter what we do, God's not pleased with our sin but no matter what we do, God will always love us. You know why? Because God is, doesn't give it and take it back. His love is unconditional. Are you with me? Now, notice this love here. He says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but He's given us the spirit of love. There's not a whole lot of love in the world today, is it? I mean, you, you look around us. I mean, what is God saying here? He's commanding us to love one another. We're commanded. Now, some of us that have been around and read our Bibles, we understand if you think back to the portion in the Old Testament when God gave what is called the Ten Commandments to Moses, all right? Remember, he gave them to him on two tables. And there was a reason that there were two tables, and here's why. Because the first table of the Ten Commandments dealt with God's relationship with man and man's relationship with God. The second table of the commandments dealt with man's relationship with man. Now watch this, watch this. Here's what happens. God says, I want you to love me, and I want you to love others. And a lot of times we wonder why we can't get along with our spouse. We wonder why we can't get along with our boss. And here's why. Because God says, if you can't love me, You cannot love others. You see, our love for Him is first and foremost. So when we think about the Word of God here this morning, how, when all that's going on around us, how can we maintain a loving spirit? Well, here it is. It begins, we must have, first of all, a love for God Himself. Notice in Matthew 22, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and notice, and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Notice there's every part of our body, God says, I want you to love me. We must be responders to His love. Notice what Paul, uh, John wrote here. We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. See, don't sit here this morning and act like you loved God before He ever loved you. No, you did not love God. God loved you while you were yet in your sin. And I love the fact that John says here that we need to be reflecting God's spirit of love in our lives. Notice in verse 18 of 1 John 4, there is no fear, look at that, no fear in love. The Bible says perfect love or love that is mature casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect or mature in love. So you and I, look, we must be expressing God's love in the world that we live today. Notice again what John wrote. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. So if you're saved this morning, guess what? You love others. Why? Because God loves you. Now notice he says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is love. See, the spirit of love is really our love for God. That's the acid test of why we do what we do. It's because we love God. It all begins with our relationship. Do you have a relationship with God this morning? Has there been a time in your life that you realize, I'm a sinner, and that Christ died for my sins, and you're, you've asked the Lord Jesus, look, I'm not talking about praying some prayer over and over and over again because, listen, the prayer of a repentant heart, God says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice it doesn't say shall be saved again and again and again and again. No, it's a one time happening. God says, My son died for your sins, and if you put your faith in him and him alone for your salvation, you will be saved and have what the Bible calls eternal life. So the spirit of love begins with my relationship with God. Do you have a personal relationship with him today? How many of you are glad God loves you today? It's a wonderful thing to be loved by God. So look, if God's going to give us the spirit of love, it begins with our love for him. And then watch this, the second table of the commandments, then it must be a love for others. Now, a lot of people, look, our love for God, if you love Him as we just read in 1 John, we should love others. But many times we don't. Sometimes, I get it, people aren't deserving of our love, but watch this. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, then the Holy Spirit will give you the power, the ability To love others, that's called the power of God. The book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Notice again what John, and these are some stiff verses, but I want you to look at them this morning. First John chapter 4, look at verse 20. If a man say, watch this, I love God. Boy, a lot of times you get around people and here's what they'll say. Oh, I love God. Oh yeah, I, I love God. Now look what he says. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, what's those next words? He is a what? He's a liar. Now, don't take that up, I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. All right? God says, if you say you love me and you can't get along with those in your life, you're a liar. Look at what it says. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I've I've heard married couples. Well, I just don't love him. I don't love him anymore. Really? Well, do you love God? Because if you love God, you should love him. That's just the Bible. I think of a great example of this going back in history again back to February the 12th, 1554. This was the year before Latimer and Ridley were burned at the stake. There was an 18-year-old girl, young lady. They called her Lady Jane Grey. Lady Jane Grey found out that she was to be crowned queen. The only problem was is that Instead of having a crowning ceremony, she found herself standing on the scaffold awaiting her death. The testimony of that day was that Lady Jane Grey was standing there holding her prayer book. She addressed the crowd before her life was taken for her faith in Christ. And here's what she said these were her words. I pray you all, good Christian people, to bear me witness that I die a true Christian woman and that I look to be saved by none other means but only by the grace and mercy of God in the merits of his son, Jesus Christ. She said those words and laid her prayer book down. There was the piece of wood that was carved out where she was to put her neck in the hollow, and her executioner that you see there in the depiction, standing there with the device that would take her head, take her life, the executioner heard the words of Lady Jane Grey, and it's recorded in history that he walked over and he kneeled down beside her. And he whispered in her ear, please forgive me. And out of a heart and a spirit of love, Lady Jane Gray willingly said, I forgive you. Now, how is that possible? Because God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. God's given us the spirit of his love. The Holy Spirit Gave her the power to love even her executioner. And we need, we need Christians today to have God's love in their lives as we live in this world. You see, Paul says, Timothy, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of his power. He's given us the spirit of his love. But watch this, he's also given us the spirit of a sound mind. Now, what is a sound mind? Well, a sound mind is a well-balanced mind. It's a mind that is under sound influence. (laughs) Do you remember some of us, do you remember the day you had a sound mind? (laughs) Maybe if you've had children or grandchildren, your mind is not so sound as it used to be. But God says, look, I want you to have a sound mind. A lot of people try in different ways they try to medicate, they try, maybe try to drown themselves in some sort of, uh, of drink to try, to try to find themselves to be belonging in some sanity in this life. But listen, as a Christian, we can have a mind that is filled with confidence that we can only receive from God Himself. And let me share with you a couple ways in closing this morning how you and I can obtain a sound mind. One way is through salvation in Jesus salvation in Jesus. I've never met a person that had a sound mind that did not know if their sins were forgiven. I've never met a person that had a sound mind unless they already had settled where their eternity would be with the Lord in heaven. I mean, listen, how can you have a sound mind without Jesus as your Savior? The Bible tells us in Titus 3, look at verse 4, After the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared, listen, not not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Listen, God says it's not by anything you can do, but it's because of what my son did for you. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God knew that we deserve to die for our sins, but aren't you glad that God was willing to let his son Give his life so that we can have a home in heaven someday. Listen this morning. You don't have to die that death. Jesus paid the debt. It's already been taken care of. But we must put our faith and our trust in him and him alone. It's not by our works. It's not by the church we belong to. It's not by some creed. It's not by the money we give or the things that we do. And no one is good enough to go to heaven. It's only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy in our text this morning in verse number 9, he says about Jesus who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Listen, we can have a sound mind. How? Through salvation in Jesus Christ. But notice also, and listen, goes hand in hand with knowing Christ as our Savior. We can obtain a sound mind through the Scriptures. How many of you are glad you have a copy of God's Word in your hand today? You know, if you're like me, you probably have many Bibles. You know, my daughter, we were talking the other day. I said, I think I have four Bibles at home, I think I have five Bibles in my office. I mean, I've got Bibles everywhere. And, you know, I study some of them for different reasons and look at things, and I have notes in some of them. But, but listen, you know what you and I need? We need an understanding of the Word of God. Listen to me this morning. Understanding of the words of God. That's what the Bible is. And the Bible says through Isaiah the prophet, listen to this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know what you find when you look in the Bible? You find about things about God, who He is, the nature that He has, the character that He has. We already saw this morning that God is power and God is love. And God wants us to have a sound mind. That's why He's given us His Word. But so many people today do not understand. Look, I didn't even own a Bible till I was 20. I'll tell you, the day that I got my first Bible is the day I started reading it. And I try to read it every day. Some days I fail. But we need to get in it. We need to study it. You know why? Because before I got saved, guess what? I didn't understand. But now that the Holy Spirit dwells in me, when I open up the pages and I look at the words of God, the Holy Spirit who is God that lives in me, He gives me understanding. The Bible says He will guide us into all truth. Notice what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man, that's talking about somebody that does not have the Spirit of God, an unsaved person, the natural man receiveth not the things of God, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. Notice, the things of God are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Before I got saved 37 years ago, I had no desire to go to church, I had no desire to read the Bible, I had no desire to know God. Listen, I didn't want anything to do with God, but listen, After I got saved, everything changed. I now, listen, I had a curiosity. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more about Jesus. I wanted to know more about the blessings of God. And notice the difference that God's Word makes in Ephesians 4. The Bible says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old life. Notice it's described as the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Look, I'm going to tell you something. This book, God's words, it makes all the difference in someone's life. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I love the Bible. I hope you love your Bible. I hope you love the words of God. It reminds me of somebody years ago. He was sitting there looking at the pages of his Bible, and he was thinking about how wonderful the Word of God is. And he took a pen out, and he wrote these words down, and here's what it said. Though the cover is worn and the pages are torn, he says, "In places bear traces of tears. Yet more precious than gold is the book worn and old, that can shatter and scatter my fears. When I prayerfully look in the precious old book, as my eyes scan the pages, I see many tokens of love from the Father above, who is nearest and dearest to me. This old book is my guide, tis a friend by my side. It will lighten and brighten my way, and each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it each day. I love the Word of God. I love how God's Word this morning through Paul to Timothy to us. God is saying to you this morning, listen, if you know me, you don't have to go through life in fear. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. God says, I want you to remember to stir up the gifts of God. Use those gifts. Well, what are they? God's given us the spirit of His power so we can live the Christian life. He's given us the spirit of love so that we can get along with others and we can show His love to this world. And He's given us the spirit of a sound mind through Jesus and through the Word of God so that, listen, our mind will be stayed on him. You know, to borrow the words this morning, and I don't think he would mind, so many have been living in fear. In the words of Todd Beamer, let's roll. Let's do something for God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking around? I want to thank you, especially those of you that are visiting today. And I want to ask you to just think about a few things and then we'll be done this morning. But I really believe that God, no matter what it was that caused you to come today, I really believe that God has brought you here today for a reason. If you're here this morning and you've heard God's word and you know without a shadow of a doubt that If you died today, that heaven would be your home because you've already put your faith and trust in Christ. By a testimony, can you raise your hand this morning? Pastor, I know that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven because I have put my faith in Christ. Can you raise your hand this morning, Pastor? I'm saved and I know it. What a blessing. Hands up all over the auditorium. You can put your hands down. Let me ask you this morning, maybe some of you that did not or could not raise your hand. I appreciate your honesty. And to tell you the truth, I really believe you were being honest with God. And it's nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about. But I'll tell you this, if I heard a message like you heard this morning, How much God loves you and how much he gave his son that you can have a home in heaven. And the sheer fact that you're not going to live forever. I wouldn't put it off one more day. I would settle it today. And some of you that are sitting there, you've been in church all your life. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's a Baptist church or whatever kind of church it is. The truth of God's word is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman cometh unto the Father except by me. You want to go to heaven someday? The only way to get there is through Jesus. Not through the church. And I wonder this morning, some of you that could not raise your hand, would you be honest this morning with God? Say, Lord, I need you today. I've lived many years, but I've yet to come to the place. And today, God, you've shown me that I need to put my faith in you for eternal life. No one's looking around, every head's bowed. But I wonder this morning, would you acknowledge to God this morning by an upraised hand, Lord, I need you. I want to be saved today. Would you slip your hand up this morning? You can put it up and put it right back down. I just want to include you in prayer. I see that hand. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else this morning? You can put your hand up, put it right back down. Pastor, I don't know the Lord is my Savior. I, I want to ask the Lord to save me from my sin. Anyone else this morning before I pray? This morning, I pray for this one and maybe others. We're going to give an invitation, and I'm going to ask you when we start the invitation, would you come this morning, and we'll have somebody take the Bible and show you how you know for sure that heaven would be your home. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the precious old book, and I pray that you bless this invitation. Those that need to be saved, Lord, I pray that they would come and receive eternal life in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those of us, your children, that have been living in fear, God, I pray today we've been reminded that you haven't given us that fear, but you have given us your power, your love, and you want us to have a sound mind. And I pray that we'd come this morning, and Lord, that we would be strengthened and empowered by you today. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Let's stand this morning. As we stand and the piano's playing. I'm going to invite you. Would you come this morning? Christian, would you come and say, God, help me to not live in fear. Help me to have your power in my life. God, I need to love people. Some of us, we need God to help us to love others the way that we should. Some of you this morning should say, God, I want to get in your word more so that I can have a sound mind. And some of you need to be saved. Would you come? Would you come this morning so that we can take the word of God and show you how you can have a home in heaven? As Brother Kenny sings, why don't you come? Some have already come. Why don't you respond?